Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Christopher Chung is our guest. He's been with us a number of times, and we always uh, love to have Christopher come with us because he is doing such a wonderful job of helping North Carolina continue to grow, not only grow, but also uh, uh, recruit such fine uh, new companies that uh, uh, are offering better opportunities uh, for our workforce in North Carolina. Um, Christopher, let's let's talk a little bit about the, uh, because we've had a number of large announcements in the last three or four years, sort of bring us up to date on where those companies are in their development and when they will be online and, and actually, uh, uh, in some cases, actually hiring uh, a large majority of their workforce. Sure. And and as you said, there have been a lot of big names that have decided to locate major new investments in our state in, in just the past two and a half years, let alone the, the eight and a half years that we've been fortunate to be around as an organization. Uh, a few of those big names here in just the past couple of years, uh, of course, you've got Toyota, which is building its first ever electric vehicle battery manufacturing facility worldwide and those are not just outside of japan but worldwide their first dedicated plant for ev batteries building that right outside of greensboro in randolph county uh it, it is i believe what i have been told is the largest earthwork and construction project going on currently in the united states which is a pretty amazing but you wouldn't doubt that when you go out there to see that site with the amount of dirt they've moved around and, and they've put up walls they're working on finishing out uh some of the initial buildings on that manufacturing campus Apple, of course, uh, made a big uh, splash a couple of years ago by announcing, uh, after some uh, delay, but announced their East Coast headquarters right in the heart of the Research Triangle Park. And again, that facility is also under construction as we speak. VinFast, which is a, a Vietnam-based manufacturer of automobiles, they had announced a big electric vehicle assembly plant in North Carolina, so just outside of Raleigh and in Chatham County. Uh, they are waiting a couple more environmental permits to come through, and then I understand they'll be ready to start construction. Uh, site work has been continuing, but obviously to start building construction, you got to make sure you've got the, the right permits in hand. Wolf Speed, another huge investment from uh, announced last year. This is a Durham-based company that manufactures semiconductor materials, which largely go into the electric vehicle industry. Uh, they, of course, announced a big $5 billion plant. Uh, also in Chatham County uh, last fall. And so again, I think they're going through site work. And uh, if they haven't started building construction, we suspect that'll probably be uh, fairly uh, soon in the future. So all of these great announcements that have taken place, they're in varying stages, but they all have their they all have their completion dates in mind. Uh, and when they plan for the first products to roll off the line, and uh, of course, that's very encouraging to see because these really are transformative investments that represent the industries of the future and that are going to represent the future economic opportunity for an entire generation of North Carolina's workforce. Now, when someone like VinFest comes in, obviously they need supplies and they need certain uh, suppliers to come up. How, how much can we expect as far as uh, enrollment of employees, can we expect from the second tier, the tier that supplies VinFest and Apple or Toyota with their needs? 
So, so it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, Apple's uh, East Coast headquarters, that's largely a lot of technology uh, type positions. So think a software engineer or applications development engineer. You, you might have some marketing and finance people in that mix, but largely it's going to be a lot of technology jobs. That has a very different type of spin-off or supplier effect than something like VinFast uh, or even Toyota, a, a large manufacturing facility where there's going to be components and materials that feed into that facility. The exact impact will depend on the industry and even then depend specifically on the actual company. I know that uh, for the automotive industry, there is an expectation that suppliers will cluster somewhere in relative close proximity to where the assembly plant is. It, I think you know, the, the normal multiplier, uh, which is an economics term, but two and a half jobs for every direct job that is created uh, by the the automotive assembly facility itself. It's, it's two and a half or three. I can't remember the exact number, but but you get the point, right? There's going to be additional job creation that's spurred by the presence of the assembly plant. Same thing goes with Toyota's battery facility. Same thing goes with Boom Supersonic up in Greensboro, which is an aircraft assembly operation. Uh, these are they're definitely opportunities to extend the impact of these announcements well beyond the companies themselves. You know, one of the interesting things, and we've talked about this before, is the fact that uh, within the state of North Carolina, the three big markets, the Greensboro, Winston-Salem market, the Charlotte market, and the Raleigh market, bring such different things to the table that they're really not uh, totally competitive with each other, which I, I would imagine makes life a little easier for you. It's Yes, it, it would be probably a lot more challenging if those three regions were competing for the same deals every single time. But to your point, that isn't really something that at least I have observed. I, I don't know if that's always been the case, but certainly in the past eight and a half, nine years, that, that is true. The, the three regions tend to be considered and tend to pursue very different types of, of employers. I, I think you go back to before the pandemic, it's very interesting. A lot of our projects, probably 30% of the deals we were chasing at the state level at any given time were office users, as opposed to something like an industrial manufacturing facility. So think of a, a corporate headquarters or think of a tech center where people are coming in and, and doing their work in an office setting. 30% of our deals would be that type of user pre-pandemic. And they were largely looking at Raleigh, Durham, and Charlotte because those cities represented the type of population growth and demographic that those kinds of employers were most attracted to. We would try to pitch Greensboro and, and Winston-Salem uh, because that's that's a fairly large metro. It just, the, the compared to Raleigh-Durham and compared to Charlotte, a lot of those companies really focused on those other two and, and really didn't give as much look at, at the triad, the, the Greensboro region, as we would have liked. But the challenge is right now, there's not a lot of those office projects looking around. So much of that has to do with hybrid and remote work. Companies are really rethinking whether they even need people in an office, let alone how much office space they actually have to take down. And that leaves cities like Raleigh, Durham, and Charlotte without a big part of their deal flow that they were very accustomed to before the, the pandemic. Whereas the Greensboro region, having a historic base of manufacturing, 
uh, whether that's automotive or aerospace. They've done very, very well because that's where a lot of these major investments have been located, including companies like Toyota uh, have located now in, in that center region of our state. Um, and we continue to see overwhelming activity in industrial and in manufacturing. We aren't seeing any office deals whatsoever at the state level. It's, it's, if we do, it's, it's a very small percentage of our total activity. It's overwhelmingly industrial, overwhelmingly advanced manufacturing. And that actually plays really well to the strengths that the Greensboro, Winston-Salem market bring to bear. It also means less of these types of office deals that, that our big cities are competing for, at least in this moment in time. Well, it's an ever-shifting uh, set of challenges, I'm sure, because uh, as the economy changes, we have to be ready to change it uh, a moment's notice also. Uh, are we running out of dirt? Uh, because some of these uh, these sites that you were talking about, uh, like the Toyota battery plant, use a lot of ground. Are we running out of ground? Yeah, you know, for some of your listeners, uh they may hear that uh, and and my answer is yes uh but but some of your listeners of course would say chris what's the deal i drive around north carolina looks like there's there's plenty of open land so i, I don't understand why we could be running out of it the, the key here is that the types of land that these large manufacturing facilities are looking for are very specialized one it's you're talking hundreds if not thousands of acres which is a pretty big parcel to begin with and and then it's got to be pretty regular dimensions it can't be this long snake-like shape or or some weird uh weird shape like that it's got to be relatively square rectangular and then add to that topography right it's got relatively flat so you're not having to to move a lot of dirt around to begin constructing a big building then add to that major utility infrastructure needs power water sewer a big advanced manufacturing facility is going to consume a lot of those utilities and you've got to be plugged in in a way where that's possible and then last but not least those pieces of dirt they have to be close enough to a pool of workers that can support a company that's going to come in and create two or three thousand new jobs that are all pretty highly skilled. And by the time you apply all those filters, it's not just North Carolina, but those types of sites are becoming relatively short supply all across the Southeast and presumably the rest of the country as some of these companies like Toyota or Wolfspeed or VinFast come in and take those industrial sites for their own development, which again is great for job creation investment. But what we got to be thinking about is the next time a company like that approaches North Carolina, will we have a site that's ready to go on the timetable that that company is looking for? Because if the answer to that is no, we aren't going to get very far in that conversation and it's going to be a missed opportunity. It's why we are being tasked with an effort to find that next generation of mega sites, large industrial sites uh, that can accommodate this type of advanced manufacturing user. Well, that brings me to another uh, uh, aspect of uh, your job, and that is most all the things we've talked about here have to do with uh, the counties in the uh, in the Piedmont Crescent. Uh, what about the other 70 counties in North Carolina that are not growing as fast and don't have as many opportunities uh, as uh, the Raleigh-Durham, Greensboro, and Charlotte markets have? Well, that's where the the shift from pre-pandemic, where 70% of our deals were industrial, but as, as high as 30, 35% were office users. Again, think about those office deals. We're not looking in all but three counties of the state, right? They were looking in Wake, Durham, and Mecklenburg counties. They weren't even looking at the triad and and some of our other bigger counties. Today, it's 95% of the deals we're chasing are industrial. So manufacturing, distribution, food processing. And those types of deals 
typically favor less urban, more rural locations, certainly at least on the periphery of a, of a metro region, if not even further out into a rural area. So I think our rural communities are getting a lot more opportunities to attract new industry and jobs simply due to the change in the mix of projects that are looking for a new location. Uh, you, you take somewhere like Wilson County. Uh, back in December, Wilson announced uh, a big new investment by an Israeli-based food technology company called Believer Meats. Uh, Believer is focused on what's called cell-cultured meat, so meat products grown in a laboratory as opposed to harvested from a, a cow, a chicken, or a pig. It is one of the ways that the world will need to feed itself without straining the agricultural system and the environment to produce meat products. It's a fascinating technology, but Wilson's going to be the beneficiary of that first wave of investment. Over in Asheville, Pratt & Whitney uh, has already opened up a brand new aircraft engine components facility, highly advanced manufacturing plant uh, that's going to employ 800 skilled individuals. Over on the coast in New Bern, um, uh, Bass Pro Shops, they they make their own boats that they sell in their stores through their White River Marine subsidiary. Uh, they opened up a brand new saltwater boatcraft manufacturing plant uh, a couple of years ago. So these are just a few of the other examples. Uh, Siemens Mobility, making passenger rail cars for Amtrak, announced a brand new plant in Lexington, uh, North Carolina, in, in uh, Davidson County just a couple of months ago. So just a few of the examples of big names that are investing all across North Carolina, not just in the Piedmont Crescent, not just in our major metro areas. And uh, you alluded earlier to the film industry, which is also... Uh, a big part of the economy nowadays. Yeah, good year. Uh, 2021 was a record year for us in terms of film and TV production spend in North Carolina. I think something north of $440 million. Uh, A good year last year. Certainly uh, hard to beat 2021. Uh, 2023 is, is off to a strong start so far, uh, both in terms of some mid-budget feature films as well as some TV series, uh, TV series programs. Uh, I think this uh, new movie, uh, it's based on a Judy Bloom novel. Uh, I think it's called Are You, Are you There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It's a very popular popular uh, work of, of fiction for the for, for kids uh, but that the movie version of that of course filmed in North Carolina uh, and is out in theaters right now so yes that is another way that we are able to bring new economic activity and spending into North Carolina is when we successfully recruit those film and TV productions to Wilmington Charlotte and other parts of our state our guest is Christopher Chung we have one final segment coming up and we want to talk about your annual report. Uh, and uh, we'll do that after we take time out for some messages. Again, our guest is Christopher Chung, CEO of Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. We'll be right, right back after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. <laughs> 
Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. And we're back with Carolina Newsmakers guest, Christopher Chung, the CEO of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina, the public-private partnership that uh, handles the uh, economic development for the state, working with the Department of Commerce and uh, and also uh, the uh, business and, and uh, industry committee uh, community across the state. Uh, we've had a great program, and if you have missed some of the segments, you might want to go back and listen to the rest of them because it's a very bright picture. Uh, you uh, just finished your 22 annual report, and there's a lot of data in there. Uh, what, why don't you sort of bring us up to date on on uh, what was in that report and how uh, how many jobs were created and so forth? Sure. Well, it was a record year. Uh, we knew that at the time for our business recruitment and expansion teams. And again, these are the the groups within the EDPNC. They work with companies that are either thinking about locating here or that are here already, but thinking about further expanding their presence. And through a, a combination of a 150 some odd unique projects where, again, each of those projects involves a company that's either coming here or, or expanding here, that resulted in a record amount of job creation announcements, uh, north of 26,000, I believe it was for, for 2022. And, and that's that's wonderful by by any measure. I think when these jobs get announced by these companies, they're not just numbers on a page. That is some new opportunity for someone to get a better job or to get a job in general across a lot of different growth sectors that are a key part of our state's economy, whether that's clean energy, electric vehicles, aerospace, textiles, uh, life sciences, and biopharma. It's, it's, it's a great story, not just for the numbers, but, but more importantly, what that means to the people in these communities where these companies are planning to invest and hire dozens, hundreds, thousands uh, of new employees. As we talked about at the, the, the top of the program, we, we didn't know it at the time, but 2022 has also turned out to be a record year for tourism in North Carolina, which is also a very important driver for a lot of our communities from the coast to the mountains and, and lots of places in between. But 33 billion of, of visitor spending, which went into our, our tourism economy, many of which is much of which is supported by small business owners, 33 billion that visitors spent all across North Carolina in 2022. And while we didn't have that data in time to include in our 2022 annual report, it's still a representation of the banner year that 2022 was for economic development in general in North Carolina. You know, we talk about the Rust Belt, uh, Rust Belt states uh, having their problems but North Carolina did a unique turnaround also, and I don't think we give ourselves enough credit because if you go back maybe 30 years, we had furniture manufacturing, textiles, cigarette manufacturing, and agriculture. And uh, none of those are big factors anymore. 
we have replaced them with better paying jobs, more high tech jobs. And that's uh, uh, that's an interesting transformation. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think industry is always evolving. Uh, so while while we I, we still do have textile, furniture, tobacco companies uh, in North Carolina, but they look very different to your point from what they would have uh, looked like 30, 40, 50 years ago in terms of headcount, uh, the use of technology. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's one of those things where every industry is going to evolve. Uh, and of course, the way the economy is built on industries, that will also change over time. I mean, you take something like uh, the automotive industry right now. I was just talking with a colleague at lunch today. It's a fascinating time to be in economic development because so much of what we are chasing after on the business recruitment side involves things like the electrification of vehicles. That is a fundamental shift that is redefining today's auto industry. And we happen to to have a front seat to that in the economic development profession, because as companies shift from making gas powered vehicles to electric vehicles, they're going to have to figure out where to assemble those electric vehicles. And they have to figure out where to build the batteries and all the components that go into EV as opposed into a gas powered vehicle. And those companies, again, need to figure out where they're going to make that stuff. And we have a chance to convince those companies that North Carolina is the best possible place for that kind of activity. And so that's just yet another example how economies and industries, they constantly change and grow over time. Our job in economic development is, is try to capitalize on these unique moments like what we have with the EV sector and win as much of that investment and job creation as possible because those industries will be here and define our state's economy for the next quarter century and, and probably well beyond that. The General Assembly is in session, and uh, is there any legislation that is uh, currently being considered that will affect uh, your work for the next year? Well, there, you know, we 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 don't lobby. We uh, we we try to keep an eye out for any legislation. More in the context of do will companies that are looking at North Carolina ask us about pending legislation that that they may care about? So it's always good for us to be mindful of that. I will say that over the past few years, what we have seen nationwide is that companies are increasingly sensitive to legislation that falls in the realm of, of what people would call social legislation or social policy. And it, it's not that companies all uniformly believe in one side of those issues or the other, but, but I think companies, in our experience, they're looking at that from a talent lens. They're basically rationalizing that, look, I'm, I'm in an industry where I need to hire the best. And where I go will dictate whether I can hire the best people I need for my industry. And if a state or a community is seen by those prospective new employees as a great place to live, uh, that's very welcoming or very diverse or very inclusive. Generally, companies give a, a few more points to that than, than a place that their potential employees may see as restrictive or uh, perhaps not as welcoming. I mean, again, this is feedback we, we get from companies and that we get from the consultants who advise those companies. Again, this is a very challenging environment that favors employees. And so if you're a company that's trying to recruit the best and the brightest, you're going to probably make a, a location decision at least strongly on the basis of where you think you can recruit the best and the brightest. And, and that ultimately, I think, ties back to 
the kinds of policies and legislation that make a place attractive to as many people as possible. And I think that's why issues around social policy, social legislation have become much more relevant to economic development than at any point I can recall in, in 26 years of doing this work. Of course, that's the sort of thing that we we like to just let a, legislators know about uh, in terms of what we're hearing from companies or their consultants so that legislators can make whatever decisions they feel best balance the needs of their constituents versus the needs of the state. Um, but it, it isn't something that uh, we can risk ignoring. I mean, it's a very much a reality that's baked into how companies decide where to locate. And, and I think at, at, at the very least, our obligation is to make sure that our policymakers, our legislators, our government officials are aware of what we are hearing from companies. And then, of course, we've got to trust the process is going to yield the best possible combination of, of policies that will continue to keep North Carolina an attractive place for business as well as for talent. You know, the average person in North Carolina thinks of colleges and universities as a, a place of teaching undergraduates. But the truth of the matter is we have three of the best right in the triangle as far as getting federal grants for research. And that's so important. We have UNC Chapel Hill, NC State, and Duke, who almost every year bring in huge amounts of research dollars. And that uh, has to be something that uh, companies look at. It certainly is. Uh, universities, again, like we talked about earlier, represent a pipeline for talent. They also represent a potential partnership on innovation. And both of those things are important. But but let's not forget that there's also a lot of money going out, uh, especially at the federal level right now, to spur American innovation and industry uh, at, at levels we've not seen historically. And some of our universities in the state have been big beneficiaries. Those three, of course, but North Carolina A&T uh, of course, very instrumental in our state's economy, but they spearheaded the effort to land about 25 million in federal funding through the U.S. Department of Commerce, which is really going to help shape our workforce, our future workforce for the clean energy economy. So that's just yet another example to your point of how our state's universities are leveraging federal dollars in a way that will ultimately benefit North Carolina's economy for, for the years to come. We uh, talked a little bit about this earlier in the program, and that is that every time a plant or a manufacturer locates, they need supplies. Uh, how, if if I'm very entrepreneurial and I want to start a new business, uh, where do they go to find out what the needs are so that an entrepreneur might say, hey, wait a minute, I think that's might be a business I might be interested in. So I think one of the best ways is, of course, when these new companies come in, yeah, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm I'm going to say, oh wow, Toyota's building a big battery plant, or or Wolfspeed is building this new uh, semiconductor materials plant. I wonder if I can sell them a particular product or service. And I think a good place to begin is uh, usually with that local chamber of commerce in whatever community that big company is coming into, because these companies end up once they once they build the facility and get going operationally, they want to be part of that community. They usually will have someone responsible for community relations and engagement. And I think many of them would like to source as much of their purchases and procurement from local providers as they can. That is part of that community engagement that many of these companies strive to, to do. And so I think getting those introductions through a local chamber uh, would be one of the ways that I would advise entrepreneurs if, if they're interested in selling into some of these new companies that are putting down roots in our state. 
Well, this is probably an unfair question because I know a lot of this information has to remain uh, confidential. Are you excited about next year? Or do you have some projects working that uh, might very well turn out to be big ones? Uh, we are. I mean, we're, we're sitting on 240, give or take, active projects right now, again, involving recruiting companies to the state or working with existing expansions. And, and those 240 deals represent tens of thousands of potential jobs, tens of billions in potential investment. We're a little bit of off pace of where we would like to be. Again, we set very aggressive targets for 2023, considering that 21 and 22 were record years for us. Uh, we We'll have to pick up the pace the next uh, seven and a half months to hit our targets for 23. But the, the nice thing is our pipeline, the, the deals that are sitting in there, give us every opportunity to do that if we can win uh, the numbers that we want. But yes, going forward, both in terms of the quantity and quality of projects that we get a chance to go after, the term, the types of industries that those projects represent, uh, as well as most importantly, the fundamentals that North Carolina continues to offer as a business location. I I'm very optimistic. It's a great state. We know that businesses believe that because they continue to flock here. We've just got to make sure that we continue to keep our foot on the gas and keep winning these deals for North Carolina. Well, Christopher, on behalf of all of North Carolina, thank you so much for what you're doing as head of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. And uh, as always, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, who promises me we'll have another interesting guest on, on tap for next week's edition of the program. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. The next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.